Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. We hope you are encouraged by today's episode. Welcome back to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. Always good to be with my buddy, John Bailey. How you doing, man? I am doing fantastic, Mark. Uh, we have had a lot of snow. <laughs> yeah, some people <laughs> say that in the past, uh, I heard the other day that I guess if you take all of Colorado together, right. worst or most snow we've had in 30 years. That's a lot of snow because Colorado already gets, gets a lot, lot of snow. snow. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, So, and we're still you know, early on. You know, we're yeah. we're not even we're just, you know, at the time of this recording, we're halfway through January. Yeah. You know, so we got a lot of snow to come. Well, and you know this, but I asked the video guys to put up a, a small clip. Mark uh, lives uh, in a place called Monument and they get a lot more snow there than we would in Colorado Springs. And so he has this really long driveway. So he went and bought a snow blower. I want them to show that video so you can get an idea of what Mark goes through whenever yeah. he's removing snow on his driveway. Well, you know, when we first moved in, we moved in January, moved into the house January the 8th of last year. And we got one snow before I had a snowblower. Yeah. And it took me two hours with a shovel just to cut out a little path wide enough for my to get my car out of the garage to the street. I mean, it was like two hours. I, I finished. I walked in the house, took my coat off, got my computer out and said, best snowblower. <laughs> and literally within like half an hour, I had purchased a snowblower and, you know, best investment I ever made. You know, so I used it three times. The other day in like a 12 hour period. Wow. Well, hey, feel free to put it in the back of your car and drive it over to my house. There's a reason why I don't and, have a uh, truck. I know. Well, and the truth is that, that real men shovel snow. Well, I, did. I, am not, I, am, I am absolutely not a real man. Yeah. Uh, no, no. <laughs> well, anyways, just having a little fun. So, yeah. anyways, they were talking about tithing. We are. Yeah. Interesting topic. Um, Tends to be one that's a little bit polarizing. Yes. Sometimes, you know, is tithing a New Testament concept? Is it for believers today? Yep. Uh, and so we just want to have a conversation. We mostly agree on this. Um, yep. But there's probably some nuance to it. Uh, I know big picture, we definitely agree on it. So yep. let's just start. I'm going to ask a really direct, basic <laughs> question. And then, of course, the answer is yes, but, you know, is tithing a New Testament concept? Yeah, and I want to start off by saying this as well. Just if you're watching today, uh, hey, we we don't pastor church. Uh, We have no agenda here. We're really just trying to help people walk out their faith. Yep. So um, just want you to know, we're, there's not going to be appeal for money at the end. <laughs> uh, we're really just talking because there are people who struggle with this. It's, it can be in places such a touchy subject. So, so, so back to the answer. Yes, I believe it's a New Testament principle. Uh, I do believe in tithing. But I do believe that the way that we tithe in the New Testament is different than the way that they tithe in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, uh, blessings was always attached to something monetary. So the children of Israel, their promise was a piece of land. 
money was uh, was was the blessing. So everything was was attached to that. And for many, you know, for many reasons, um, I believe that in the New Testament, I think that there's a slight shift. Uh, Jesus uh, and anybody that's gone through this, he never said that tithing was wrong. He actually, in other places, he said when he talks about tithing, he certainly doesn't uh, seem to be rebuking tithing as a part of a kingdom principle. However, when you go to places in the Old Testament and it says, if you don't tithe, you're under a curse, it then gets this idea that now God is cursing you because you don't tithe. I believe that in the Old Testament, uh, you gave to be blessed. I believe in the New Testament, we give because we are blessed. All right, so I'm going to just interrupt you for just a second, and I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that kind of points out what you're talking about. Absolutely. The blessing and the curse piece sort okay. of idea. So it's Malachi chapter 3. Mm-hmm. Most people who know their Bible know that this is a common passage. If you go to church, because every pastor will read this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so it says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Interesting. Right. So about to talk about tithing, but Malachi ties it to the character of God. Yes. So I think that's something we need to keep in mind as we this conversation develops. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. You're not consumed because I don't change. Right. If I changed, you'd be toast. Absolutely. And you that know. is New Testament and Old Testament. Absolutely. And then he goes <laughs> so. on, though. He says, for the days of your father, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside <clears throat> from my statutes and have not kept them. Right. Here again. If if I changed because you've done this, you'd be toast. Right. But I haven't. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? And then, verse 8, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse. This mm-hmm. is what we were, you were just referring to. Right. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in your house, and therefore put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Amen. It's an interesting thing we have here because we have the curse. Right. So God through the prophet, accuses the people of dishonoring him, robbing him. The strong words. Strong words, absolutely. from God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. it isn't like, you're, you know, you steal from your neighbor, maybe you get caught. <laughs> Don't steal from God. <laughs> no. Um, but he says, you're stealing from me. And then he says directly, you're not giving your tithe, you're not giving your offerings. Right. And therefore... You are cursed with a curse. That's what it says. Verse 9. Yes. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Yeah. All right. So we have in this passage, we clearly have blessing. Mm-hmm. We have curse. and But we also have what we would kind of point to as New Testament grace. Yes. In that because my character doesn't change, you know, I've I've allowed you to stay. I've kept you. Yep. Even though you've you've you are robbing me. Right. You you got I got every right to, you know, to zap you and yet I'm not because my character yeah. is good 
And so therefore you benefit from my goodness. But then he is also there going and stop it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Stop robbing me. Sure. So I am gracious, but I'm saying to you, so just, just to back up on a couple things. One, I would encourage anybody that's here. I, I do a whole teaching that we put on world challenge on new covenant. I would encourage you to do that. The first covenant and the eternal covenant is, is what is called the new covenant. It's prophesied in Jeremiah. It's fulfilled in Christ. Uh, so you have old covenant, new covenant. This is written under the old covenant, and in and in those times, we they were made right by keeping law. But then it comes back in verse fifteen, and it says, "But if you don't keep," and then it says, "All of the commandments," then you'll be under a curse, and then it lists these brutal curses that will rest upon you. Uh, here's here's what changed, is that Christ fulfilled that old uh, covenant law. It doesn't mean, though, and this is what I think that this is where you're leading with this, is it doesn't change the character and the nature of God and how he wants us to behave and live. He gives, therefore he calls us to give. That tithe was the benchmark in the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, you know, we believe that we still have that, but we don't give uh, to be blessed Uh, as opposed to being under a curse. We give in faith. We give because we are blessed. We give because it does belong to God. Uh, But the the difference in that is if I don't believe that if, uh, I don't believe that if someone doesn't give a tithe, that now God has cursed them and now now they're living under a curse. I think that's, in my opinion, that's unbiblical. Uh, I think that Jesus Christ is the blessing. And if you are in Christ, then it's not the money that you give that causes you to be blessed or cursed, but it's the faith that you have in Christ. And hopefully, as you grow as a believer, you understand the character and the nature of God. And so you give, but you give out of faith because you're trusting God with your resources. And then God promises when you behave that way and you live that way, not only will there be monetary blessings, but you will live a blessed life. I know that's kind of a shortened you know, it's not really a long theological thing. What what do you think about that? Well, you know, some people argue tithing is from the law. Right. And certainly tithing is pointed out well, it's, in the law. It is completely in the law. There's no dodging that the law, the, the tithing was put into the law of Moses. Yes, absolutely. But, but it preceded, it preceded it. it. Yes, That's yes. the interesting part. Yes. So... It preceded it. We have at least two examples right. here. So one, Abraham goes yes. out. His, you know, the people of his household mm-hmm. have been kidnapped. Mm-hmm. He goes out. He's able to capture them, get them back. Mm-hmm. He brings them back. He goes to. Um, he, he meets this guy Melchizedek, and it says that Abraham tithed. Mm-hmm. to Melchizedek. And then, of course, we have in the New Testament a reference back to this where... The, it says that it's Christ. Yes. And yeah. the lesser, t- you know, so ties to the greater. Yes. You know, and so you have this pre-existing concept. We don't know where that, where it came into Abraham's heart mm-hmm. to give him a tenth. Yeah. But something flowed out yeah. of Abraham to give to this man this tithe totally predating any biblical mandate for tithing. Sure. But but I want to say this because this is where I, if you go, well, where did this come from? This is where it came from. Abraham is the father of faith. And, and that Abrahamic covenant 
is something that gives us the picture of the new covenant in Christ. So he he offered the sacrifice by faith. That's why it says in Galatians that he's the father of faith. Sure. So why did he do it? He did it by faith, which I believe if you put that picture, you have Melchizedek as Christ, you have Abraham as a picture of the church, the people of faith, and then he gives 10%. It really is a New Testament picture of us giving in faith uh, to Christ, our heavenly priest. Sure. I, I guess I'm just pointing out that there's no, we don't have any biblical reference prior to this of a tenth, which is right. what tithe yes. means. So somewhere in Abraham's heart, mind, mm-hmm. there was some understanding that I'm going to give a tenth yes. of that. And then later it gets it gets institutionalized in the Mosaic law. Yes. So we have the first example we have is Abraham giving to Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. Then, and, and of course, there's a lot of New Testament tie back to that. But then we have another one that's not really, there's no reference in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. That's Jacob, who's going out. He's left his parents' home. He's fleeing. He's mm-hmm. going, he's going to end up connecting with Laban, mm-hmm. you know, but when he has this vision of God, he says to God, look, if you will bless me, if you will help me, if you'll bring me back here someday, right. mm-hmm. I will do this, this, and this. And then he says, and I will give a tenth of all that I have to right. you. Here again, predates the law. Right. So you have that. So some people argue, well, it's the the tithe is just a, it's based in the law. So right. part of the understanding, I think, is we have to understand it predates the law. Certainly is institutionalized in the law, but it predates it. Yeah. Then in the, you know, so, but. You and I think we would agree on this. We've never actually had this conversation, but mm-hmm. would argue or would would I would hold to the fact that the, Christ fulfills the entire law. Mm-hmm. We both agree on that 100%. Yes. Uh-huh. And we would say that, at least I would say, that we, we only carry forward in practice those things that Jesus validates or the New Testament validates. So we don't worry. I no longer worry about wearing clothes that are made from two different materials. <laughs> <laughs> right. I no longer worry about whether my crops, you know, have I, I can I can sow seed from two different crops, in, you know, two different yeah. species in one field. I'm not worried about any of that because right. that's not validated in the New Testament. Right. However, Jesus' approach to marriage, which was outlined in the law, Jesus validates. Right. In the laws, in the New Testament. So we would say, even though Jesus fulfilled the law, he still validates the Old Testament law perspective mm-hmm. on marriage. One man, one woman for for life. Sure. You know, as long as they live. Um, interestingly enough, when Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees, uh, or, or the Pharisees are arguing with Jesus. I always, find, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus wins every argument. You know, it's like <laughs> at some point, intelligence would say, "Stop arguing." <laughs> he is the living word. <laughs> yeah, you so, know. but yeah. you know, Jesus says to them, "You tithe of your spices, your right. dill and your mint. You tithe of these things." He said, interestingly, though, he says, "You," and he says, "But you ignore." the weightier elements yeah, of the of law. Grace and yes. mercy and Interestingly, that. he says, you should have done the former right. without abandoning the latter. Yes. Some argue, I might be one of them, that in that concept, Jesus is validating the Old Testament yeah. perspective on tithing 
though we would certainly say that would be a minimum. Yes. We're, how do you feel about that? I, I do. I, I still uh, I still believe it's an act of faith, and I, I can both believe because I think it's consistent with Abraham. Uh, he gave 10%, and it was in faith. So I think giving a tithe is 10%, but you give it in faith. Now you go, are you obligated to give it? I think that every Christian should give 10%, but I think that the way that you go about that, uh, I've heard some people say, well, you haven't even started giving until you give the 10%, and then whatever's over that, you know, you're blessed by. But I, I disagree with that because yeah, sure. I think the 10% is an act of faith, and you're giving that to God for two reasons. One, you're you're acknowledging that he owns all of it. And I think that that's an important acknowledgement that because we work, we make money, and then we think, well, this is mine, but it's really not yours. It's God's. And and he helps us to remember that by giving him 10%. The other thing that I really believe it does is that it puts God in the economy of your finances. And I believe that that's really important for us as believers, for my kids, for people that I've taught in church. I've said I've said to people, like, do you want God as a part of 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 your financial sure. you know plan by faith uh, we are inviting god into our finances yeah. absolutely you know, i have uh, i do some investment with northwest mutual um it's great to have them as a part of that you know my retirement plan sure but i want to tell you having jesus as a part of my financial plan is far better than any institution my bank whatever resources that i have and making and so when you give you are acknowledging god this belongs to you and now i'm putting this into your hands by faith and listen the blessings of god i think is also in the new testament cannot also cannot always be reduced to how much money i have absolutely because the blessings of god are in so many ways uh, the peace, the joy, the love of God, uh, walking in faith, blessing other people. When I give to people who are poor, that blesses me. Uh, so I think that it goes far beyond just dollars and cents. And there are places in the body of Christ that um, that giving is it's like, well, if you give $10, you'll get $100. Uh, I, I'm not negating that. I think that God does bless people financially. But I, listen, the reason I give $10 is, isn't so I'll get a hundred. I give ten dollars in faith, believing that God is now in control of my finances and my life, and I trust Him with that. To me, that's the life of faith that God's calling us for, and uh, tithing is only a part of that. Yeah. So, here's a question. I'm new to giving. Yes. Let's assume maybe I'm a new believer. Yep. You know and. All of a sudden, someone, you know, is introducing me to the idea. Maybe, I don't know, maybe today is the first time somebody's ever heard this concept. <laughs> I got to tell you, when I first became a Christian, you know my story. Yep. Uh, you know, um, you know, I go to church and they're going, you give 10%. And I was like, what kind of a racket is this? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> well, where is that coming from? And then they were, you know, then I, I kind of under, under, came to, but I, when I first was like, oh, yeah, if you're a believer— 10% of your tithe. I was like, what are you, <laughs> for real? <laughs> Everybody here does that, do they? <laughs> so, you know, yeah. yeah. It, interestingly, you know, because we, we come from very different childhood backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. You know, I grew up in the church. And so, you know, I had walked away from the Lord early on. When I come back to faith, I I was giving before I actually was believing. Wow. 
there was an element that just said, I know this is the right thing to do. Yep. But right had nothing to do with righteous. That's right. In my life at that point. You know, I, I knew it was the right thing to do. And and in one sense, it was an act of faith. Yep. You know, I certainly, you know, Martin Luther, uh, sorry, not Martin Luther, Bonhoeffer, who was oftentimes referenced Martin Luther, but Bonhoeffer said there was this two sides of the same coin. Those who believe obey, mm -hmm. but only those who obey believe. Yeah. He said those can't be separated from one another. That's really you, good. You know, if you say those who believe obey and you separate it from the other, you have easy believism, you have cheap grace. Yep. But if you say only those who obey believe, then you turn it into works. Yep. You turn it into legalism. And the truth is both sides of that coin are, are there. Yep. I can say God owns it all mm -hmm. and use it as an excuse to give nothing. Yeah. Or I can acknowledge God owns it all yeah. and say, therefore, how generous can yeah. I be? Not how generous must I yeah. be, but how generous can I be? Yeah. And I, and I think you would agree with this too. I mean, 10% to, you know, to me is a starting point. Like I go, Hey, ten, you know, when you give that, but then, you know, I, I would, We've just put into our finances to give over and above of course. That, as we can and as able. Uh, but I think that that's where the faith comes in. I, I will say this. I think it's really important for maybe people that are listening that maybe struggle with this. I had a pastor that I worked with for a while that said this to people, and I found it to be so helpful. But uh, he, he said to people, hey, 10%. May just blow your budget. Like when when you come to Christ, and now the obligation at the church is give ten percent. And so he said this, and I I found this to be really helpful. He he said, you know what? Can you just get a marker of an amount, was three percent or five percent, and just say, God, right now this is what I can afford. So I'm going to do three percent by faith, and I'm going to be faithful to that. But the next time I get a raise or money comes in, I'm not going to buy a boat or a car but I'm going to take where my 3% is and I'm going to keep moving that amount up as I can until I get to 10%. And when I get to that, when I get to that place, then you go, okay, the other resources you can do kind of whatever you want, but it, 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 at least you're, you're, you're moving in that direction. And I know, you know, I know that there's some people that would just say, give the 10% in faith and God will take care of it all. But you're talking to new believers and for them, just taking the step of faith at 3% or 5% could be a really big deal. So that's maybe the level that where they're at in trusting God mm -hmm. with their finances. But don't mix up, if I get to the 10%, the I'm going to heaven. Or, sure. you know what I mean? Because I think that it, without saying it sometimes in church, we put so much pressure on the giving and the 10% that it can, with, without really saying it, but it can communicate that like God's going to be angry if you don't get the 10%. It's really the life of faith that matters. Yes. I would argue, or I would postulate or whatever, <laughs> not argue, but you're an arguer. Yeah, it's not just yeah. for new believers. Yep. Because quite frankly, we got a lot of believers out there who've walked with Jesus for a number of years who have not invited Christ into their finances. Yep. And they've got a mess. Yep. 
they're upside down and they they owe more than they could possibly pay back. They've mm-hmm. lived off credit cards, you know, yep. because they didn't have the discipline to say no, instant gratification, you know, mm-hmm. and so they've gotten a mess of their finances. Yep. So I personally think in those kind of situations, it's almost irresponsible to say, okay, you're supposed to start giving 10% yep. right now, because if I give 10% right now, I'm probably not giving Chase. I'm not paying my bill that I owe. Yeah. So just like you said, for the new believer, I would say that that same principle applies to a person who is walking, who is in Christ, yeah, but has not been walking in wisdom yeah. as it relates to their finances. And a way of starting to walk in that is to invite him into our finances. And, and even though this, we read the Malachi passage, yep. the one thing that I do think that carries over into the New Testament is that thing where he says, test me yeah. and see. It's the only place in the yep. entire Old Testament where God says to the people, you don't believe me? Try it. Yep. I'm not just saying do it because I told you to do it. I'm actually saying give this a try. Yeah. So I think if we, from a wisdom perspective, from a generosity perspective, from a growing perspective, if we invite people to say, look, my finances are a mess. Yep. And, and, and I, I, sorry, I, I'm sure there are people listening to this podcast because we that are, whose finances are a mess. We live in a society where, you know, they say the average American is if they lost one paycheck would go into insolvency. Yeah. You know, so and 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 that unfortunately carries over the church and the new and the world. Yeah. But we're just saying acknowledge what God's done in your life. Though he was rich, he became poor mm-hmm. so that we could become rich. Now, he's not talking about just material wealth there, mm-hmm. you know, but as we experience God's abundant grace, his mercy, and part of that is in our finances, then we want to respond back to that. We start with where we are. We start, I mean, where we are is where we are, in my opinion. Yep. We start there with the understanding, like you said, Lord, I'm giving you what I have right now. Yes. And it's an act of faith. 1% right now for some people is an act of faith. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that if you, as you bless me, I, I'm not going to just consume the seed. Yes. I'm going to try to, I'm going to grow in generosity yep. with you. What do you think about that? Well, you know, you, you've been at the church that I pastored. And so in t- we started with seven people and 10 years, we um, baptized over a thousand people. The church grew incredibly. And one of the things that we really and taught financially, there, the church was incredibly strong, though there was not a, yeah, there wasn't a like beat people over the head to give money. I, we never one time did we go up and, and say, Hey, if you really love Jesus, you'll give your money. Hey, if you're a good Christian, you'll give your money. We really taught people to fall in love with Jesus yeah. because when you fall in love with Jesus, it's, it just becomes a natural byproduct. But we did have a lot of people, like you're saying, that came in with their finances upside down. We, we had different programs and things that we did to help people with sure. their finances. Um, but as well, 
there would be people that would come in like that. And depending on the study that you uh, read, anywhere they say it's it's anywhere from 10 to 15% of believers actually tithe. Mm. So you're, you're going, there's a lot of people who don't tithe. And um, that's not a judgment. If you're watching, we're not here to bring sh- shame or guilt, but it is good to be aligned with Christ scripturally. You know, part of my testimony, Mark, uh, yeah, get, getting saved in jail was one thing, but I think that one one of my greatest testimonies is when it comes to finances, mm. because when I was first a believer, man, there were times that I was scratching the pennies together, but I would I would give. If you would have said uh, test test the Lord, if if that test if I would have checked into it a year at, you know after I started. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have assumed <laughs> in my finite understanding that God had failed the test because my resources did not say that, like, now I have this great abundance of wealth. But this is what's so true about tithing, that when you go year by year by year, and there were times that we were like, where are we going to get the money? God always provided. When I look back on it, he mm-hmm. was faithful. But man, when I when I look at where I'm at now in the position, as I look back over the sure. 35 years, I go, God has incredibly blessed me, not just financially, but with the peace and the joy and the love of God and two amazing kids and an amazing wife and amazing ministry that I work at. And so all of those things together, you go, God has been so faithful. And so if if you're watching today and you're going, this is something that I struggle with. I, you know, giving is is something that's very hard for me. I'm not wired that way. I don't like it. I don't want to. I don't feel like I can. But this is an act of faith, mm-hmm. not just for salvation, but in trusting God with your life. And I will tell you, people who uh, who who give and they give regularly and they do it with the right motivation and they do it in faith. Most of the time, those people that I observe, um, they're not doing it under compulsion. They just do it because they love the Lord. Their spiritual growth will be exponential because it is an important part of how we live as believers. And I, I want you to comment on something, uh, if if you don't mind. It, if in the New Testament, I think you've heard this before. Like Jesus talked more about money sure. than heaven and hell. Yep. So we care about if people go to heaven as opposed to hell, right? Absolutely. Why did Jesus talk so much about giving? If uh, if it's really not as important, I don't think that we either of us thinks as important as heaven or hell. I think Jesus answered that question for us. <laughs> I yeah. mean, specifically, he didn't even beat around the bush. He was direct. He said, "Because mm-hmm. it's where your where your money is is where your heart is." Yeah. It's not about you know some things are not clear. Yeah. Jesus said, you know, your heart's what God's after. But your money indicates where your heart yep. is. You know, for this ministry, one of our values is generosity. Absolutely. I know as a family, one of our, for Amy and I, one of our family values is generosity. You know, at one point yep. in our life, we were praying and I said, Lord, I, and I was, I was testing my own heart here. Hmm. Because I was saying, I said, Lord, I want to make more money. And, and some people hear that and go, sure, everybody wants to. But, but I said, the reason I want to make more money is because I want to be able to give more. Right. 
I said, I know our finances. We're at the time, I want to make it clear, we were far exceeding tithing. Yeah. But I was like, I want to be able, there's a lot of ministries out there Mm -hmm. that I want to be able to bless. Yeah. You know, there are people who are going to the mission field that I want to be able to support. There are programs at my local church that I want to be able to bless. I am, we are at our ceiling. Yeah. At least it felt like, you know, we weren't, we weren't in debt. Mm-hmm. We weren't, you know, so we weren't paying, we weren't given to chase what we should have been given to God. Yep. We, we had done what we could do. We were being as generous as it felt like we could be apart from having more money. Yeah. And so my heart's prayer, which I think was flowing from the right place, mm-hmm. was, God, I want to make more money so that I'll have more money to give to you. At, at now, that's incredible. You're smiling. Well, I'm I'm smiling because you, you may know this story, but this the story of a, a businessman uh, that that I know. I think you may know him as well. Um, but anyways, he he was uh, he's from the New Jersey area, uh, but he was he was running a business, and his business just took off. Like I mean, he he was into the you know millions, mm-hmm. and he had his house and his car, and everybody else would buy a bigger house and a bigger car. That man li- stayed in his same house. Mm-hmm. He kept driving his same car, and he took a, over a million dollars a year, and he was giving it to missions to reach unreached people groups, to take the gospel where it doesn't exist, to help widows and orphans. And and that, I, listen, there's a lot of things that I go, great testimonies that you hear about sure. people in jail or people that were drug addicts. To me, that was one of the most phenomenal testimonies that I've heard because I don't know, like if I go, God, make me a billionaire. I don't know that I would give the billion. I'd give a hundred million. You know what I mean? But for that guy to take those steps of faith. And and I think that in the the New Testament, it talks about the gift of giving. Mm -hmm. And I I pray for that. Uh, But but I've seen people that really have a gift to give over and above what's, what's asked of them. I heard somebody describe one time the gift of giving this way. They said, a person with the gift of giving doesn't ask how much can I give. They ask how much do I have to keep. Mm. So in order to survive, how much do I have to keep, and then yeah. everything else is on the table to give away. Yeah, and I, I thought that was a pretty good way of maybe describing. That That's gift. really, really, you know, um, something. Before we started, you mentioned too, and before we started the podcast, and I might want to get your just your your thinking on this. So we know that the Bible talks about uh, giving uh, to the the place that feeds us. So yep. you know, and back in your Malachi, bring it to the storehouse. You bring it yep. to the storehouse. So the place that you're fed, you give. Yep. Um, it also should be biblical. That man, churches. I know as a pastor, it was really important to us. We were given into the twenty percentile mm-hmm. of of resources that came in that would either go to outreach to our community or foreign missions. And I, I think God blessed us for that. You know, not every church does that. I think the average is three or four percent, and that means that you have to take the ones that give more than that. So mm-hmm. there are some churches that don't give at all. Like. I do think that if we have pastors and leaders that are watching, mm-hmm. I think it's really important that when we manage the resources that come into the church, that we should really be be saying, hey, like these people are, are giving. We need to make sure that these funds are going to the place that the New Testament church did in the book of Acts. Absolutely. And, and he, you know, you're a missions guy. Yeah. How, what, how, how do you feel when it comes to that? Well, I, I think it's a couple of things. One, 
I think it's just good example mm -hmm. to those in the church when the church itself tithes. Mm -hmm. So when the church sets a minimum standard of we're going to give away at least 10% of what comes in to something that brings no blessing, no, no tangible blessing back to us. Yeah. You know? it, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because pastors would be like, hey, you know, instead of everybody in the church, you should give tithes and believe God for it. And then when they have to manage their own resources, it's like, well, we just don't have money for, you know, giving to the poor and foreign missions and reaching unreached people groups. Well, all right. So let, let's go back to, to get your, your actual question there about where, do this, where does the tithe go? Yeah. So Malachi talks about the storehouse. Many people would make a New Testament reference to that, that it goes to the church, the local church. Yep. Certainly, I would see that part of that is where am I spiritually fed? Yep. But but the tithe went for multiple things. So one, it went to take care of the poor. That's why he said that the storehouse would be full so then you could bless exactly. people that are poor. Yeah, so, you know— you know, this maybe this is a bit quite controversial, but you know, if if my church wasn't giving to the poor, wasn't helping the poor, to start with, I'd start with a conversation, you know, with yeah. the leadership there and ask, you know, what are you doing? And if you're not doing anything, why aren't you doing anything? And if you aren't, you know, and then how can we begin doing something? But if there's a resistance to that, I'm gonna have a hard time staying there. Yeah. But let's that's not let's assume that's not very often that that's right. the case. But I think that's a major thing. So I look at my my tithe should go toward the upkeep mm -hmm. of the storehouse. Right. So in the Old Testament it went to the upkeep of the temple and to the salaries so but to speak, the people who manage uh, the, the storehouse. people who manage the storehouse yep. and the people who ministered Yep. in the storehouse, so the priest and such. Then it went to outreach. Mm -hmm. You know, it went to the poor. Yes. So I look at those things and go, is my church engaged in all of those things? Right. You know, so, and then I want to make sure. So, however, I don't know. Maybe we have a different opinion on this. Maybe we have the same. If my church wasn't giving to the poor, I would have no problem with holding back part of my money so that I could give in a way that yep. we go to the poor. Well, and we had a policy. At, Here again, at the, not saying I'm holding it back to consume. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I'm giving it out. Yeah, we had a policy at our church too. Is it like we had a food bank? So, like, mm -hmm. you know, we're weekly, we gave away really a lot of food. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, if somebody came back and was like, hey, I, I need a light bill, hey, I need my rent paid, we would, we would help people a, a, a time or two. Um, but most of the time we would sit down and start to go, hey, how are your resources being used? Because America, there, there are some poor places in America, and I don't want to negate that. And there are places that we go, we did as a church, we should as a church, um, you know, help people that are poor. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of opportunities in America. Yeah. And I don't think it's good stewardship just to go to people, go, that, hey, I can't make my boat payment or, you know, <laughs> uh, can you help me out? Uh, sometimes you have to sit down and go, are you living within your means? That's not necessarily helping the poor. That's helping people who don't manage their resources. And so we would make it available to do financial planning with people to help them. Th and this is my heart for missions. But there's people around the world that live in places and they have no opportunity. There are no jobs available. 
And you're good. And you know, one of the things that we do here at World Challenge is we help them to grow their own crops, to sustain themselves. Now you're really helping to transform uh, communities and people with people that really are substantially poor. Well, one of the things we help when we go into these communities is we actually help them see what they already have. Yeah. Because if we ask them, what do you need? Almost always the answer is we need money. Yep. And they're like, well, what do you have? And the answer will be, we don't have anything. That's why we need money. Yep. And But we'll walk with them and actually help them discover, oh, actually we do have yep. resources. We do have things that we can use to produce more. And so I would agree with you hundred percent. I think one of the things for me, yeah. you know, we kind of wrap this up a little bit. Yep. So much of this is about heart. It's about motive. Mm-hmm. I, I want to give, I want to be as generous as I possibly can be. As a matter of fact, I struggle with the concept of a stingy Christian. Yeah. When, when, when I see someone who is struggling to give, it makes me, it's, I'm not the person who's been given the responsibility of testing somebody's faith. That's not right. what I'm saying here. Yeah. But I struggle with under, with the under concept of, do you really understand what God has done for you? Mm-hmm. If we really understand what God has done for us, then I don't know of any th- response to that other than, generosity, yep. generosity with my money, generosity with my time, generosity with everything. And one of the blessings of giving is, you know, if, if I want to get rid of, I can say all day long, I don't want to be greedy. I don't want to be greedy. I don't want to be greedy. I'm probably going to be greedy. <laughs> the, the greatest way for me, I've discovered in my own life to fight greed is by giving. Yep. I can't give and be greedy at the same time generosity and greed are absolutely incompatible neighbors. Well, and and as a believer, and I think that this is, you know, again, wrapping up what we're saying, it's, it's taking on the character and the nature of Christ. Absolutely. And God so loved that he gave. And there is that part that we start to go, hey, as a believer, I want to be in a position to love and then to give. And it, and listen, it's not always easy. There's some people that are making big paychecks and they have a lot of money and it, they're giving out of their abundance. But, you know, the scripture talks about the widow mind. Mm, yeah. Then she's giving more than 10%. She gave her everything that she, was in her substance. Sure. And there's people that are watching today that maybe either you're a single mom or you know a single mom or, or people that are a student and they're young and they're going, hey, I'm in a place that my giving isn't just, at, you know, like giving out of my abundance. Like, I, you know, I'm just kind of making it. But if you can learn at that early stage to be generous and take on the character and the nature of God, the blessings are exponential. Yeah. And I think that, you know, as we're concluding here, maybe we'll have you pray for uh, everyone, I know that this is early on in, in your life was a big struggle when it came to finances. Yeah, and, uh, I, not out of desire, but out of my finances were a mess <laughs> because yeah. I'd been living by the pattern of the world. Yeah. And, you know, I knew God wanted me to, I had enough of understanding of scripture that I knew God really did want to bless my finances. Yep. Yeah. You know, and part of what he did by that is he helped curb my appetites mm-hmm. for other things. 
Yep. You know, I, I, I no longer sought my happiness in the things I possessed. And as, as my appetites mm-hmm. shifted, it freed up resources. And so I, there was this upward lift of the gospel. Yep. You know, my life got better financially. <laughs> yes, I was giving. So it, it didn't make it didn't make sense mathematically. Yes. I was giving away part of my income, and yet my standard of living was actually going up. Now, I, I would be dishonest to not bring up the point. I've lived in a part of the world where Christians are oftentimes discriminated against greatly simply because they're a person of faith. Yep. Blessings in their case certainly means something other than material blessing. Yes. Because some of them live actually very, very poor. Yeah. And yet they have a smile on their face and they have joy in their heart. Amen. Because interestingly enough, you know, I heard years ago, somebody said, the more that we own, the more that owns us. (laughs) You know, when, when you don't have much, you tend to be more grateful for what you have. And so we don't want to make the mistake here today of equating blessing purely with money. 100%. So I'm going to summarize this and I'm going to have you, have you pray please just to summarize a little bit. Hey, uh, tithing predated the law. Melchizedek uh, through Abraham, the man of faith, uh, great, um, you know, understanding uh, the the tithing is a part of the character and, and the nature of God and people of faith. And so, yes, it was a part, uh, it was institutionalized, as you said, in the law. So, yes, it was a part of the law. But the law uh, is perfect. The, the, the weakness in the law was always in man's ability of to course. keep it. But the law is perfect because it represents the character and the nature of God. So one thing that you see all through the Bible is that giving and tithing is attached to the character and the nature of God. And so when you come into the New Testament, Jesus affirms it, uh, affirms tithing. Then you have great places of, of, of Paul instructing people to give even over and above to bless and to help other people. And so, so when it comes to giving and tithing, we give in faith. We give to help, to help with our understanding and God's, mm. knowing that we understand that he it all belongs to him, and now we are asking him to participate when it comes to our finances. It's an acknowledgement by faith that you own it all, yeah. and that I listen. God can bless me more with ninety percent than how I could spend the hundred percent. And so, if you can attach it that way, and if you're if you're at a place and you go, I, I, it's just hard for me to do at the level that I'm at, then take a, a place three percent, five percent, and begin to take a stand and do it consistently. Yeah. And uh, and watch God move in your life, in your finances. And I believe that people like that will just will flourish spiritually. Yeah. And so can you close us out here and then pray for us? Yeah, Mark? absolutely. Father, today, John and I, and we hope everybody listening, we just want to invite you more and more into every area of our life, Lord. And certainly that includes our finances. We, money isn't evil. The love of money is evil. We need resources, Lord, but we also want to live our lives according to your kingdom rule, Lord, and certainly generosity is part of that. 
Lord, so today we ask for those who are struggling in this area. Lord, we pray that you would help them um, to lessen up their, their hold on resources so that they might trust you more. And Lord, we do pray for blessing. Not just, we're praying even for material blessing. For those who are testing you, as Malachi said, test me and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven. Lord, we acknowledge you have already opened up the windows of heaven in every area of our lives. Lord, and we just rejoice in that. Help us to walk in those blessings, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Join us next week when we are going to deal with lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Now, that may sound really negative, but we're actually going to present it from a way of helping you to live a life that's pleasing to God, that actually brings joy into your own life also. So join us next week. In the meantime, uh, make a comment on YouTube, like us wherever you're at, share this content if you think it's a blessing to others. We look forward to being back with you next time. Thanks so much for joining us. We know your time is valuable and we're so thankful you chose to spend it with us. The Christian life is not one we can live alone. Here at World Challenge, our constituent care team is here to pray for you. Give us a call at 1-833-WC-PRAYS. That's 1-833-927-7297. John and Mark will be back next week to offer their insight into how believers can live, love, and lead well in a broken world. We'll see you next time.